This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras, and it's that time of the year. Time to look back at the year that was in music and talk about some of the albums that made an impression on us. And by us, this year I am surrounded by good friends who also happen to be music geeks like me. Now let's go around the Brady Bunch Zoom squares and introduce our guest. Let's start with you, Ana. Hi, I'm Ana Maria. I'm excited to be here with all of these lovely ladies talking about this amazing music. Hi, I'm Stephanie Fernandez. It's so good to be back on Alt Latino talking about the best music of the year. Buenas, I'm Isabella Gomez Sarviento. So excited for this conversation this year. Hello, Catalina Maria Johnson. Really excited to be here. It's the best time of the year. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, ladies. Ladies and one gentleman. <laughs> Saludos. I'm Marisa Arbona Ruiz, and I'm always excited to be part of the best of whatever year. Okay, this year we're going to try something different. Okay, Alt Latino will have a final list of 15 albums that we came up with by polling you guys. So instead of going around the table to talk about our individual favorites, we're going to instead try to find some themes that either tie these albums together or set them apart. And after careful consideration, I came up with these three themes, genre breakers, genre defining, and discoveries or surprises, okay? The one album that everyone voted to include was El Madrileño by Setengana. He had a very big year, not the least of which was because of his jaw-dropping Tiny Desk Home concert back in April. This album was released back in February, and it's still on everyone's list, right? It's like, it's crazy. Crecí pensando que solo el billete me daría mi respeto. Let's go around the Brady Bunch Zoom table and give me a quick statement of why this record has so much staying power for you personally. Catalina. Well, this is my favorite kind of album, really. Um, this is an album that shows its roots. I mean, it, they go down real deep. And yet, it's like the skeleton uh, of Setangana, who the deep-rooted flamenco music, but he's wearing it in such interesting ways. He's wearing the clothes in such interesting ways. So it's completely modern, completely different, completely fresh, and deeply rooted. You recognize it immediately. You hear it and you go, okay, España, right? El Madrileño. It's it's there. So it it's the best of all worlds. I, I agree with Catalina. I think it's like so fresh, but so traditional at the same time. His vocals are so beautiful. And I love the features that he brought in, like Omar Apollo, Ed Maverick, just bringing in these really important voices in Latin music right now to be a part of this project. Uh, Marisa. It's the old and the new in a, in a fresh form. And it's very exciting also because he's a great singer. I love his voice, the tonality, the pitch, everything. And I love the elements of having acoustic layers he had in the music. It was very effective for me. 
Anna. I absolutely adored this album and I loved that Isabella brought up the collaborators because I think that was one of the most striking things to me as well is he brought in, you know, artists from all over Latin America, all different types of genres and it wasn't a Spanish album, it wasn't an urban album, it was like, so sorry to use this metaphor but like he was really interested in giving everyone a seat at the table like he really <laughs> no, I'm like horrible for saying that but like he really wanted you know to really represent an incredibly wide range of, of styles and, and backgrounds and I think that's also particularly interesting coming from a Spanish artist um, is worth noting too Okay, what does the idea of defined genres say about Latin music to you? And then I'll just throw it open. Anybody who wants to talk, just wave and open your mic. Well, I think we have to talk about Latin as a genre, as a starting point, like a, a true classification that to me makes the most sense when we talk about the record industry in the past several decades and how Spanish language came to be equivalent with Latin. And as we were just discussing the way that, you know, Spanish artists truly were some of the first globally recognized um, innovators in this genre. And so to me, at least I know some of the picks I've picked and some of the others that people are focusing on really have done a lot in their careers to push back against Latin as a catch-all. It's something we talk about a lot on this show, um, but also just within musical genres themselves, pushing the boundaries and pushing the fabrics in which these have come to define our lived experience as Latinos, have they have come to define whole histories and across generations, I think is something I noticed this year, certainly, and every year. When you consider some of the other records on the list, uh, things like, you know, Sima Funk, El Alimiento, which mixes a lot of different things, definitely a genre breaker. Senia Rubino, Suna Rosa, her great record, it's impossible to put her in a classification, in a genre specific. You know, Alex Cuba, his Mendon album, there was a lot of different influences on that. Is there a trend? Is there something here about g defined genres? Like some of these musicians have always done that, but it seems like there are more of them this year. Am I, am I interpreting that correctly, you think? I think you're correct. It brings in a lot of different flavors, a lot of different styles, and it's, obviously it helps the artists because they each bring in their own audience. It's time to recognize all of the different influences in Latin music and in Latin America also. And so on that end, I think it's actually going to create more of a, a mishmash of the sounds and maybe lead to something else that's distinctly Latin American sounding, but still blending um, some of these cultures. 
Catalina, you are one of the people who picked Sigma Funk in his great new record. You must have some thoughts about genre bending in Latin music. Yeah, I actually, um, it's not that I disagree. I sort of agree with parts of what have been said. I think as a linguist, as someone who has a linguistics background, Latin is just a defective label. All labels are defective. It's the best we can do because we don't know, you know, from our perspective, it's what we can figure out and sing some Spanish and then you're Latin, that's Latin. Um, but you think historically our music has always been genre defying. I mean, it was born in the cultural collision of Africa and the Americas and Germans with their accordions. And we've always defied genres. We've never been a genre other than sort of geographically and sometimes linguistically because we but you know there's Portuguese and is that more Latin than Spain it's a it's a complex question so I think partly we've always defied genres we were born defined genres as a music that came out of the colonized Americas with the back and forth the ida y vuelta there's always been interaction Africa has has Latin music I mean that went back and forth so We've always defied genres. That's that's my point of view. And then you, we continue to. So Sima Funk, yeah. I mean, who'd have thunk funk could be brand new, right? And he funked it up just so good. I mean, and so Cuban. It's so funky. It's so like George Clinton's like, you know, screaming on one song. Speaking of amazing collaborators, that record has some stellar. Lupe Fiasco, you know, uh, Chucho Valdez, I mean, it's like a who's who of music from, you know, funk and Cuba. Um, so, so that, that's uh, my take on genre defying. I'm, I'm just going to say Latin is genre defined, always has been, always will be. So okay. Cuban, I would add in a way that is not, you know, typically the, the Cuban Latin music that like, you know, has been the obsession of the United States for a century. <laughs> Um, but a, a new a new take on a very modern type of Cuban music that I think is generally colliding with a trend of um, Cuban music coming back into the world in a new way. But topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Alt Latino. We are talking about our best of the year with a great panel of experts. Let's move on to genre specific artists who are representing their genres. And those standouts on our list include 42 from Panamanian Regotanero Sech, Rita Payes and Elizabeth Roma, Jazz Flamenco. In a case like Sech, why is it important to represent? I think this year in particular, right, with, uh, with the Loud Reggaeton podcast as well, I think Panama is really getting its flowers in terms of like being the birthplace of reggaeton. And I think that's why it's so exciting to see Sech representing it so forwardly. You know, even the album title um, is a reference to a great Panamanian baseball player and to Jackie Robinson. I think he's very aware of his unique place in reggaeton as both someone from Panama and as a black artist. And I think this album really finds him kind of taking center stage. Like there are less features. It's more his his voice, his themes, and he's really just like leaning into the fact that he belongs there and the fact that he's really killing it with these songs. So I think it's really representative of what reggaeton is becoming and that it's becoming that by the people who started it. Okay, let's hear Sech. This is his hit, Sal y Perea. Ella no quiere la corona en la cabeza, ella la quiere en el vaso. Okay, 
Steph, would you include the artist Mike Towers as representing? Absolutely. I was thinking about how so many of our picks this year were genre defiers. And like Mike, in its hour-long run time at 23 songs, is just like an excellent rap album. It is like truly doing one thing and doing it extremely well. Mike Towers is, I think, just one of the most exciting rappers in general right now in English or Spanish. Um, and his flow is just like inimitable. This record is just a platform for his lyricism, for what he can do with the song. He's also he uh, heavily involved in the production of the songs as well. And I think really representing um, his come up in like underground rap in, you know, rap in Espanol is like a, a catch-all of one of these terms that like rock in Espanol and whatever in Espanol. And, you know, I, I hope we're entering a moment as we've seen with a lot, like in the past few years where we don't need language as a classifier. And this album can just stand on its own as an excellent rap album.
Anna, would you include the Marias in their album Cinema as representing their genre? You know, I don't know that I would. I think yes and no. I think, you know, it's it's a beautiful kind of like a little bit of a fun Latin pop album is maybe where I would initially classify it. But I also don't think that they stay within the bounds of that necessarily. I think like they definitely play with some really interesting retro sounds, some Latin sounds, like they pull it all together. And so, yes, like I think it is a lovely kind of nice pop indie record, but I think it's also in that genre defying category as well at the same time and i think they themselves you know come from multiple backgrounds from multiple cultures and bring that all to the fore in in this record so i don't know both this is un millón from the marias quiero amanecer junto a ti en tus sabanas de miel con mis manos en tu piel Quiero amanecer junto a ti, nunca más verte sufrir, vamos juntos hasta el fin. Quiero besarte entero, amor, vamos juntitos, paseaba. Okay, you are listening to Latino. We're talking about the best of the year so far. Okay, what about artists like Rodrigo Amarante, Helado Negro, impossible to define, to categorize. What do they bring to the table in Latin music? You can define Helado Negro as a, as a genre. <laughs> 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 we'll call it the Helado Negro genre of Latin music. Um, it's, 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 he's so creative, but, you know, and it's, it's the kind of music that you can just 
close your eyes to and and visualize things, um, scenes and scenarios and colors or whatever. It's it's hypnotic in that way. Maybe that's it. Hypnotic Latin. That's so funny that you bring up visual because literally when thinking about Rodrigo Amarante's album, that's like exactly what I think about is like it's such an incredibly colorful visual album where you're kind of like immediately taken to whatever place he's he's kind of bringing in that moment whether it's like as he switches between three different languages and kind of also transcends time as well with kind of like bringing modern moments in at some points and kind of like having these very reminiscent strings that he brings in as well and so I think that that's like that was something I saw in a lot of these records as well was um people who very much have their own style and who very much have their own sound, but then use that as a means to kind of transport to, I guess, invite people into all kinds of experiences that represent what they've experienced. What about a guy like Raul Alejandro? who had a great record out this year called Vice Versa. His music seems to be the under 30-year-old version <laughs> of what of what Elado Negro and Rodrigo Amarante do, right? It's like with, with all these newer contemporary sounds, he's creating his own sonic template. That's an interesting connection that I had not thought of, to be honest. But <laughs> I, think, I, I think this album from Rao would it really just I mean it's great obviously first of all it's got bangers it's got experiments it's got all kinds of new things but I think it reflects kind of this trend and I think like Mike Towers did this too with like Mike of like these are two artists who are like pretty mainstream Latin pop players who can do like you know the songs for the parties songs for the charts etc but who also have this extreme gift for what they do well I think you know both of them released albums this year that built on kind of the more commercial approach that they'd taken with previous albums and on vice versa Rao tries a lot of new things and I don't I do think a lot of them would be like you know friendly for for the club too to be honest but like Cuando Fue which is like my standout track from this album is like drum and bass in this way that like just totally caught me off guard and we also have producer Tiny to thank for that beat um, which is just incredible and like the the pairing of that beat with like the emotional center of the song wondering what was the moment when a relationship turned sour when someone's feelings changed it's just like the payoff is just so incredible and I don't think that people necessarily would have expected that from Frau. And the last thing I'll say is that I do think in Latin pop even if like the chart toppers there is this trend of the industry I think condescending to its listeners a little bit like people are just like way smarter and have a great appetite for consuming smartly as as music listeners than I think the industry gives credit for like you know there is an appetite for albums for like really great albums coming from the major Latin pop players you know just look at how people responded to Yo Hago Lo Que Me Da La Gana last year from Bad Bunny people are really interested in seeing new directions from their favorite artists and I think Rao did a great job on Vice Versa Ya no
Okay, let's talk a little bit about discoveries this year. Every year there seems to be someone who I had not heard of before uh, that just completely blew my mind, and I wondered how I could have lived without hearing their music my whole life, right? What does it take to surprise you? Let's go around the room. What does it take to surprise you to make you stop in your tracks and go, wow? An explosion of sound and melody and the creativity in putting it together. You know, the innovation behind the thinking of those sounds, whether it's blending genres or the instrumentation and, and how they're delivered, blending different styles in the same song, even vocally as well as instrumentally. I was blown away by Seema Thunk. I'm always blown away by him. But, and uh, Catalina's pick also. Bayuka. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, um, I have to admit that that this one came through in an email and it was, then I looked up the author, uh, the artist, and heard that he described it as pagan folktronica. I'm like, okay, sign me on, pagan folktronica, what the, you know, what? And so, and then I listened and I was familiar with Galician roots music with the pandereta and the drums and the female vocals is very fierce. It's like Celtic. This is a part of Spain that has, has little to do with the Arab history, but has to do everything with and the Celtic history. This is all mixed into like a, you know, a global based dance club banger. It's like, okay. <laughs> and it's about mejas and female witches and brews and enchantment. So yeah, so sometimes it's it's the way 
something is described and then you hear it and you're going like, okay, yeah, there's the pagan, there's the folk, there's the tronica. I get it. <laughs> it's really like it has to be something about the energy in the music which is obviously a very hard thing to pin down but like I'm personally someone who is really drawn to lyrics right like that's what really connects me to music a lot of times and one of the albums that just really blew me away this year was The Return of by Pachiman which is almost entirely instrumental dub album like there will be some messages at the beginning but they're very very brief and it's this you know like dub very Jamaican inspired reggae record by a Puerto Rican artist who has mainly been known for doing like punk noise stuff and I think it just has to do with like how can that energy bring forward a message even if it's not being stated explicitly and I felt like this album was a really revolutionary sound coming from a Puerto Rican artist right now it was so different from what we've gotten used to hearing from Puerto Rico and I think had really defiant messages against like or not against but about the political state of Puerto Rico without even really having to say it it's just something you can feel and that's something that really stopped me in my tracks when I heard this album for the first time Puerto Rico man this just continues to be a a never-ending well of amazing musical experimentation always has been and even more so now it's really fascinating what makes you stop in your tracks Anna I was gonna say I really like that description of looking at an artist and and seeing them kind of defy the expectations that are set by their context like I think that when you hear something and yeah like when when the instrumentation or the vocals are really striking and and I have to say I'm also like incredible vocals are a total draw for me as well just immediately upon hearing something but hearing a person who is not only representing their background or their community or their culture on on a wider level and hearing those sounds in the record but also hearing things that sound very specific to their lived experiences and kind of who they are as an individual I think that that's really special and when you can see all of those parts represented and you can feel not only like the story of you know an entire genre an entire people that they're trying to represent that record being told but also like a spin on that narrative that is unique to now where they are as an individual and who their family is and and where they're going and where they're living now and so um, I think that's always really special when you can hear something that you can't always quite place as coming from one specific period or, or geography or whatever it might be because it's so unique to that individual artist. One of the records that was really profound for me was an album by a group called Cande y Paulo uh, from Argentina. And just hearing the first strains of this Argentine jazz vocalist slash stand-up bassist with a pianist singing a Leonard Cohen song in the most devastatingly beautiful way that I'd heard. That is one of those instances where your eyebrows go up, your skin gets a little, you know, it's like, wow, what is that? I've seen you change the water into wine. I've seen you change it back to water too. I see it on your table every night. Steph, what makes you stop in your tracks? I think what surprises me is when when the lights go out for an artist. I think it's when there's 
a moment of intense bravery or vulnerability, saying something that's against the dominant narrative or challenging something that's easy to promote, I think is increasingly important as we talk about Latinidad in general, but I think especially in music too, you know, um, this isn't like a discovery record in any sense, but I think, you know, Senia Rubinos is someone we've loved on this show for a long time, but Una Rosa was just like, it was like meeting someone else entirely all over again. And I think when an artist puts out an album like that is what really stops me in my tracks. This was an album that she made after a period of believing that she wouldn't make music again. You know, it was a, a hard few years for her. She even visited a curandero who told her she had perdida de espíritu. Like this was a real like dredging up of an artistic spirit. And I think it's just so successful for that reason. Like it literally feels like sacudiendo todo lo malo, like, on, like she says on sacude. And like a limpieza, despojo, it's like at its basis spiritual root, a complete reinvention. And I think it's my favorite album of the year for that reason. One of the albums that surprised me this year was that uh, compilation with Elvis Costello and all the uh, different Latin artists that had remade his 1978 album, This Year's Model, the Spanish model record. There's so many different styles, different genres, different artists. They could made sense, but in a way that, well, I hadn't even thought about that before. It was one of the records that really stood out to me and surprised me in a big way. I thought it, it was so exciting the way he brought in different artists on every single song. Actually, we have to give credit to Sebastian Chris, his producer, uh, for selecting the artists. But in some cases, there were two artists on each song, and they each brought something very unique with their pitch and their sound and their style, like Raquel Sofia singing, you know, strong punk style, and then um, Fuego coming in with his really suave, hip-hop rapping. That was just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And the entire album, every single song is different in that sense, even though it's, you know, a remake of an English rock and punk album. I was so impressed by the recording, and especially because I used the original tracks um, of the 1978 album with Elvis Costello and The Attractions. And they put all the vocals over those and they had to record them you know the way that they were recorded back then without you know everything that people have in the studios now it was thrilling for me and I, I wouldn't normally pick a European for Latin music favorites but because all of these artists brought in so much uniqueness and so much excitement and punch and color. It was, it was like a brand new album and they made it a Latin album. Okay, let's hear Raquel Sofia remaking I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea.
I think, uh, Catalina, you said it earlier, it's your favorite time of the year. This is definitely my favorite time of the year when we get together and hang out with you guys and talk about music. So thank you all again for joining us and talk about the best albums of 2021. Ana Maria Sayer, Isabella Gomez-Sarmiento, Catalina Maria Johnson, Marisa Arbona Ruiz, Stephanie Fernandez. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for checking in from all over the country, from everywhere. Thank you so much. Thank you, Felix. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can find all 15 of the Alt Latino picks for 2021 on our website at npr.org slash altlatino. And don't forget to check out our weekly playlist on Apple and Spotify, curated by the Groove Master, Rihanna Cruz. And also, it's gone by already, but again, go back and check out our Hispanic Heritage Month Tiny Desk Concert Series. There's still a lot of great music there that you may have missed before. And just check out the archive in general. There's a lot of great music on the Tiny Desk Archive. I am Felix Contreras. You have been listening to Alt Latino. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Next week, we're going to talk about the best singles of 2021 with a whole new group of experts. So stand by for that. Thank you all so much for listening. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com slash NPR and save an additional $200. This message comes from NPR sponsor MassMutual. The Financial Educators Council says 39% of Americans don't have someone to go to for financial advice. But you can plan for the short and long term with someone backed by 170 years of financial expertise at MassMutual.com. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.